You're listening to Growing in Motherhood, the podcast that inspires mamas to grow, where we talk about the real stuff, not just the good stuff, and share all things parenting and motherhood insight. We are first cousins with 10 kids between the four of us, ranging in age from six years to just six months old. Whether you are currently expecting, have kids of your own, or would like to in the future, this show is for you. Let's get started and grow with us. Hey mamas, and welcome to the Growing in Motherhood podcast. For those of you who know us, you know that your hosts are Leah, Erin, Joya, and I'm Duran. And um, today is just going to be me and you and one of my most favorite people in the whole entire world. <laughs> the person who's joining us today is a kindred spirit, a fellow foodie, and a fellow psychologist. And we are joined today by Dr. Whitney Raglan Bignall. She is my best friend and a sister practically, and one of the smartest ped psychologists that I know. She is a pediatric psychologist and assistant professor working with Nationwide Children's Hospital that's affiliated with The Ohio State University. You guys, I have to tell you, she works with some kiddos and teenagers with uh, the highest needs and acuity in terms of mental health. And it can be a quite stressful job and she does it well and she does it with grace. And she's making a difference in the lives of the kids and the families that she encounters on a day-to-day basis. And so with that said, Whitney, can you just say hey to the mamas listening to the Growing in Motherhood podcast? Hi, it's great to be here and to chat and talk with you all today. Whitney, you know, you wrote an article, excuse me, you gave comment for an article on today.com back around the time of the Capitol riots. And for those of you who want to look up the article, you can go to today.com or you can Google. And um, the title of it is How to Talk to Children About the Capitol Riots an age by age guide. And again, you are one of the psychologists who provided comment for this article. And, you know, it got me thinking, it got us ladies thinking, and we wanted to have you on this podcast because as moms, of course, we recognize that our children are gonna be exposed to a number of issues, societal issues. Um, And we want to know how we can best prepare them. Okay, and so, you know, when I think about this world, it's crazy. Like um, mm-hmm. just the just the injustices that take place and the inequities that exist. And um, you know, more specifically, we're going to be talking today about you know this concept of social injustice. What do our kids notice and when? How do we help them when they're impacted by what they observe in the communities around them? What does quote unquote being awoke mama look like what's that Mm -hmm. all about and Mm -hmm. how can we best prepare our kids to deal with societal issues and injustice and at one point we will talk more specifically about discrimination and issues around race so this is a huge agenda and (laughs) we're just we're just gonna free flow and vibe a little bit this morning um these last several years Mm -hmm. have been fraught with shootings and killings of unarmed black men, women and boys, um, educational 
disparities, health inequities that have been highlighted by the COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, what do kids notice? What have you heard from them? What comes to their awareness of, around these societal issues and how does it impact them? Yeah, I will say like, I think it's interesting because babies notice difference. Like they start to notice color difference by six months, but I think, you know, they start to internalize racial bias between two and four years old. And I don't know if they always have the right words um, to <laughs> share with us those things, but as they get older, um, I do think that they start to communicate some of those things, but you could also observe their behaviors, you know, and like how they might not want to go to school or they might say, my teacher doesn't like me or things aren't fair because kids really understand when things are fair and not fair. Um, so I think that they notice these things early, but sometimes they don't have the way to communicate those things with us as adults. And part of our job is kind of working with them to figure out how to express when they're happening. But I will mm -hmm. also say, you know, our world is so media packed. Um, it's, I mean, we have TVs, we have phones, we have like so many ways to know what's happening all around us. And when something big happens, the way in which we usually respond is that we watch it, right? And so the media shows it over and over and over again. And so our little kids with their brains are seeing all those things and they're soaking it in and it definitely is impacting them. And so we have to think about like how much we share with them because they're noticing it and thinking of ways in which we can tell them what happened um, in a way that they'll understand and hopefully make them feel safe if we can do that. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting that you said that because I remember years back now it's been it's been years that you know if my family goes out I drive I drive I don't let my husband drive and mm -hmm. um, you know last year the year before you know my kids they've been watching the news they were seeing the events unfold around those shootings and mm -hmm. you know my daughter you know and thinking about how these kids, kids do notice social injustice yes. and maltreatment and discrimination and racism. My oldest daughter, Amel, she's six now, you know, she was just asking, is daddy going to be okay? Mm -hmm. Should daddy go out? Does daddy need us to go with him? You know, mm -hmm. so those kinds of real fears. And it just broke my heart. And, you know, I remember having conversations with her about, you know, in the example of, you know, police brutality, Mm -hmm. Not all police officers are bad, right? Yeah. Not, yeah. you know, there are officers that are good, that you can trust, that do good work, um, you know, in, in terms of safety and protection, you know, ultimately mm -hmm. we believe that God will keep us safe and protect us. So we kind of integrated some spiritual themes in there and working with mm -hmm. her. But, you know, it took a lot of calming her down and talking her through things to kind of calm that anxiety. And yeah. I guess I wonder, is that how you, is that how, you see it manifest the most or, or is that what we should look out for as parents, like their anxiety or their nervousness around it? What should we, what should we look out for? Um, yes. Yeah, so definitely anxiety or suspiciousness, or, you know, they, there's a, they feel under threat <laughs> all the time yeah. are definitely big signs. But even before that, I think we should assume that they're seeing things and start asking questions. What did you see? What do you know? Like, start to pick their brain about how they're taking in the information because I think that can sometimes we can help them get to the point where they're not too anxious or you know prevent it a little bit if we start having those conversations early a little bit yeah. but I also know that like 
one big thing is that they're looking at us, right? How are we responding? And sometimes, let's be honest, we are really triggered by what's going on. It's really impacting us as adults. And I tell you, like, sometimes we got to, like, figure out what this means to us, um, how we feel about it. So that way we know. So when they're talking to us, we have a good control of that because if we haven't reconciled it with ourselves, it's really hard to hear that your child is struggling with it because then all your emotions rightly so are going to go haywire because you want to protect them and you don't (laughs) want them to feel this way. And it isn't fair, you know? And so it's part of it is like doing the work for ourselves to get us ready to have those conversations, um, to explain it to them. And the truth is, unfortunately, we still have a lot of racism in our world that's impacting us on a daily basis. And we want to prepare them for those things. So it wouldn't be fair to us to tell them like, it's totally safe because that's not hundred percent true, but we want to let them know like what to look for and to also know that not everybody's bad. Right. Because that's not true either. Right. So we're trying to give them a way to understand things that sometimes are really difficult to explain and understand. Yeah. One thing that I noticed is, um, I think for my girls, my mm-hmm. older girls, it triggered in them this, this concept of like otherness, right? Yeah. And as psychologists, we talk about that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to focus on that a little bit because I don't know, I would hope I did a good job with her around that. But I guess my question for you is when this, when this notion of being an other comes up, mm-hmm. what's the best way that I can respond as a mom, that we can respond as mamas? You know, I think back, I, I throughout my life have had a lot of experiences around this concept of you recognizing that I'm different, that I'm an yeah. other, that I'm an outsider. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, feeling bad about that in some context, mm-hmm. feeling awkward, feeling embarrassed and not really knowing how to navigate that. And I'm talking as young as like elementary school all yeah. the way through like graduate school. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, I met Whitney in grad school and we've just yeah. been close ever since. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I know my own struggle with this and I watched my girls uh, again, particularly in the last two years, really being triggered and noticing, okay, I am different. Mm-hmm. My skin's different. My hair's different. Um, even in terms of like cultural heritage, right? So yes, uh, granddad, he's, he moved back to Sierra Leone, West Africa, you know, mm-hmm. like my, and my parents are from the Caribbean. And so just, just this notion of them being different really has come to the forefront. Mm-hmm. How as moms can we help our children when they realize they're different so that they don't feel ashamed about that? What tips do you have? Yeah, I think talking about difference early is important and saying that difference doesn't equal badness. You know, sometimes we think difference is like one has to be right or wrong. And that's not true. Difference is just like the variety, which we need a little bit of, right? We don't want everybody to be the same. How can we celebrate the difference? Like I, like you, felt different in many places of my life that sometimes made me feel bad. And I, and then my mom used to tell me, and she still tells me this all the time, but she says, you're, you're your own unique person that makes you so great. And I needed that growing up to hear that I was unique, but that uniqueness of me is a strength. Yes. Um, it's going to make me stand out in a good way. 
and that there are some really good things about the difference in me that I should want to celebrate. And I think that's why I have become this new big proponent of like buying books with diverse characters for little yes. kids. Like I've been buying my niece all these, like, I have this book that I have in my house that says, I think it's like, I love who I am or something. And it talks about all the things this little girl loves about herself. And I wrote a blog post with some of my colleagues with Nationwide Children's, how to talk to your kids about racism. The best thing about what we did in that one is that it has hyperlinks to all these books and stuff. I just have been really trying to find ways to, to highlight how the difference is a good thing. Not a bad thing. Like, it's a good thing. I want you to see characters like you. I want you to see, like, people who look like you doing big things because that is miraculous. I want you to see how the people that look like you are, like, taking sports by storm and are amazing at what they do in many areas, right? Many great doctors, many great lawyers, um, sports captors. Like, I want them to see that representation and saying, like, there are going to be times when you're in a class and you're different than them, but you're going to stand out for your other cultural things that they need to know about, right? And so I try to, like, think about how to highlight that, but also, like, provide the empathy to know that it's hard to be different. Yeah, it's hard because sometimes you want to fit in yes you don't want to be the different person and hearing that and like allowing the person to share like what it feels like to be different and talking through that but then also saying even though that that is hard how can we celebrate you yes yeah man there's so much good in what you just said I you know I am totally in favor of, of representation and, and exactly mm-hmm. what you said, letting my kids know that there are people who look like you, who matter, who make a difference. I mean, who are vital to the community, mm-hmm. to the advancement of, of science and health and literature yes. and arts, vital, not just important, but like critical to the advancement mm-hmm. of these things. And so I, like you, Um, I've been Mm -hmm. trying to buy more books with people of color, right? Mm -hmm. So we're Black, African-American, but people of color, of all colors, right? From all cultural backgrounds to be affirming of those things. And and actually, I was reinforced by you because I heard you on another podcast that was excellent. Forgive me, I cannot even remember the name of the podcast that you were a guest on, but Mm -hmm. I heard you recommend this very thing. And so mamas, if you're listening, find books, you know, literature, art, movies that, that represent diversity and that, and that are representative of the cultural background that you're from, just so that we can affirm our kids so that they can see images that look like them as good, whole and successful. The other thing you mentioned, I don't do a good job of. So help me with this issue of, (laughs) of showing empathy, right? Because Mm. I found that my gut reaction is, you don't need to fit in. Don't worry about Mm -hmm. it. You're great as you Mm -hmm. are. You're unique. You're beautiful. So I think because of my own pain around this, I have a little bit more of a hostile reaction when Mm -hmm. I realize that they want to fit in. I don't mm-hmm. want them to want that. <laughs> and yeah. so help me because I know completely, Whitney, that that is my baggage. How mm. can I parse out my own hurt 
um, and not impose that on them and, 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 and show them the empathy that they need so that when mm-hmm. they say, yeah, I actually do want to fit in, I can have some softness. <laughs> around it. <laughs> yeah. It's so hard too, because we don't like our kids struggling or feeling sad in any way. So we quickly like want them to like be resilient and like get over it. Yeah. Get over it. Um, but they do want you to hear, like, it is so hard. Like, I'm not going to, I mean, it's hard to hear that and not want to fix it immediately. Um, but I do think they have to get those feelings out. Cause sometimes I think like kids, we want our kids to learn how to deal. And sometimes they got to talk it out. And so the best way to talk it out, to make sure we are hearing that internal dialogue is listening. And it's hard, but like, just being like, I got to hear what they they're thinking about it how they want to handle it. Because if I hear that, then I know where I need to like help out. And so yeah. it takes like internal dialogues with ourselves, which is like, listen, <laughs> don't say anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like sometimes you have to like do the extra work because sometimes it's so hard. We want to rescue immediately. And I understand that, but we got to hear them. It is so hard to do that, but it's necessary. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I want to transition a little bit with the time that we have left because there is this concept of wokeness that's mm-hmm. come to the forefront in many ways, almost like the negative meme, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but in a way that I think is important for, for, for people of color and those who might be in marginalized groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just to define it, to make sure we're on the same page, you know, when I look up woke or wokeness, it's literally being well-informed, aware, alert about the political or cultural issues that might be impacting you or others, right? Mm-hmm. So stay mm-hmm. woke means, you know, stay woke, stay alert, stay informed. Mm-hmm. And so let's shift our conversation in this direction. And, you know, I want to talk about this differently because again, we're, you know, we're talking to mamas And Mm -hmm. I want to help equip us for being woke mamas, Mm -hmm. right? Not in a not in a cliche sense, but literally how can we teach our kids to be aware of care about and have empathy for the hurts and pains of others and to be aware of societal issues and social injustice. And so I guess my question for you is, what are foundations of wokeness? What characteristics or qualities should we be teaching our kids so that they can be, so that we can be quote unquote woke, but so that mm-hmm. they can start to be as well? Yeah. Cause I think the, the essence of wokeness is knowing, right? It's being informed yes. about. And so there's this yearning to be aware. And I think when it comes to history, sometimes we just rely on our education and our school system, which we know doesn't always give us it's all not the enough. true. It's not enough, yes. right? So we have to be really intentional about learning more and sharing more with our kids, right? And giving them the stories that they aren't hearing about in their schools. Um, Black History Month is February. It can't be just that <laughs> um, because they, they're usually <laughs> just getting, you know, the same couple people who are amazing people in our community, but there are lots of people and things that have happened that they're, that we don't know about unless we are intentional about finding it out. And so thinking about ways in which as families, we can be learning our history in fun ways, um, I think is really important. Yes. And parents can, my biggest thing about being woke and how to teach kids to be woke is 
parents modeling it. Like they're going to know how to do it if you show them. And so if you are into the history and you're excited about it, guess what? They want to do those same things. They like, listen, the music I like is because my dad liked it, right? Um, Yeah. The the things I like to do is because my parents did those things. And if we want our kids to be woke, we have to be intentional about being woke ourselves. So reading about it, figuring out ways to share that with them, taking them places to learn different things, um, figuring out how to be like in the community and seeing different things. Um, Like that's how I think my parents showed it to me, right? Like we weren't just in our bubble, in our house. No, no, no. We were out meeting people, learning it. Um, And then that's, I think, helps your empathy, right? Because you're learning about different people and you got to be on the ground. So you got to be like doing your own research and then you got to actually be like, hands dirty, um, seeing how it's impacting people. And you can do that in multiple ways, but I think it's not one of those things that's like, you do a one day thing and now you're woke, but (laughs) it doesn't work that way. It's an ongoing process as we learn more things. And as the news and our society is changing constantly, we have to be like further adapting, right? As those things are happening. Um, And I think that it takes, it does take work to be woke. Yeah. You know, it's so funny because I was reading up on this and came across a blog article (laughs) with this mother um, and based on her photo seemed to be, you know, middle-aged Caucasian woman, Mm -hmm. white woman. And, um, and I, I felt what she was saying, which is, it feels overwhelming this path of being woke and not Mm -hmm. just about race or ethnicity, but gender, um, and sexual orientation and, uh, identity. And, and, and so I agree with her. It's like, it is a big task to be woke yourself, but then Mm -hmm. also raise kids who are aware and who have a heart and a passion for, for the experiences of others and making sure that things are fair and equal, Mm -hmm. but, you know, as exhausting as it is, it's completely vital. We have Mm -hmm. to, we, and you're right. The world is going to continue to evolve and change. And as moms, it is a hard task to have to take on, but we, we, you know, we want our kids to be perpetuators of fairness and love Mm -hmm. and equality and inclusivity and not hurt and not pain. And so we should take that task on is, is my opinion. Um, you know, one thing that I love about what you said is exposing our children and modeling, uh, Mm -hmm. these things for them. And, you know, in our house, we love culture period and we Mm -hmm. love all kinds of foods and so one week we're talking about some province in China and the next week we're talking about Mexico and we're Mm -hmm. talking about their culture and then we're going down to Jamaica and then we're Mm -hmm. going to you know and so I think it's important to not just uplift your own culture Right. And that's hard yeah. for me to say as a black woman, because we have been so marginalized and beaten down. But, mm-hmm. you know, and so my reaction is to uplift my own. And I think that's mm-hmm. healthy. But I also want to model for them what it looks like to be affirming of other cultures as well. You know, I in thinking about talking with you, what came to mind for me is that the underpinnings of wokeness is empathy is Mm -hmm. shared values, understanding Mm -hmm. that you might look different or come from a different place than me, but we have similar values as we live this life Mm -hmm. (laughs) on earth and and share this earth together. There are shared values and um, 
I also thought again, an underpinning is just this notion of fairness. Um, But then also persistence, because when we see things that are wrong or Mm -hmm. unjust around us, we need to be persistent in our fight to Mm -hmm. make sure that we can push forward equality and inclusivity. And so, you know, all of this feels heavy. Like even even as I just finished my last comment, like I just sat here, like as a mom, it's so much to have to do this on top of everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, Help me, just give me some of your best, like encouragement for moms in this, in this role, trying to raise healthy, balanced, emotionally, mentally kids, (laughs) (laughs) trying to raise kids who have a heart and a passion for equality and fairness and inclusivity. Just give us some encouragement as we start to wrap up. Um, What words do you have for us? I will say it's a journey and the fact that you're making effort is such a big thing because no one's ever going to get it a hundred percent. Right. So I say to people, the goal is you're doing your best and you learn from your mistakes and just trying is better than nothing, right? Nothing silence actually just continues to allow the system of racism and other discrimination continue. Right. But the more we talk about it, the more we point it out, that allows us to disrupt. And, um, and I think that's just so important. So yes, it is overwhelming. And I totally get that because life, there's so many things that like moms and parents have to do every day when they're trying to raise their, their kids. And I, and I get that. But if you just make an effort that when you see something that isn't right, if it's racism, if it's ableism, if it's any kind of other ism, right? That if you see it, you point that out to your child, right? That step in and of itself is helping them know that we don't, we don't agree with it. Yes. We don't agree with it. And I think if that, if we do that one thing that helps, and then eventually you get more capacity and you figure out like what you want to do, maybe in other areas to talk against it or do things to like fight the system. But nothing else if we are pointing it out every single time when we're having a family conversation and someone makes a comment that we know is has an ism in it (laughs) we make sure that our kids see us say how that's not correct right yeah because I want them to learn that like that joke might have been funny 50 years ago 30 years ago it's not funny anymore because we've learned some things right so it's about like those simple things that if we see something incorrect and we can do something as little as telling our kids why it's right, right, we should totally do it. And I think that's a little bit more doable than thinking you got to read everything because you can't really actually read everything. You read as much <laughs> as you can. I mean, yeah. that's, I, I mean, that's honest. We, are, we have busy, busy schedules, but with the time that we have, we try yes. to do our best to be allies when we can be. And I, I think this is so interesting. You know, an ally is someone who the the other, the people who are the, the other group um, recognizes as an ally, which means they have to yes. see you. And I think yes. that's the hard part because we want to be, we might say, I am an ally, but if they don't see us as an ally, we aren't one. And right. so like <laughs> the key would be trying very hard to just do your best to make sure you're speaking up and again, so that they can see that you are an ally. They recognize yes. what you're doing. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you stepped on some toes on that one, girl. <laughs> yeah. To be an ally, we have to see you as an ally. So, yeah. you know, step up and step out and speak up. And um, man, Whitney, of course, I love you. And this was not even 
enough time, we will definitely have to have you back. But there's so much value in what you said today. And I know for me personally, it's been helpful to hear. I know um, beyond a shadow of a doubt that for the other mamas listening, it's been helpful to hear. Um, and so thank you for your expertise, for your input. Mamas, again, you have been hearing from Dr. Whitney Raglan Bignall. She is a pediatric psychologist and assistant professor associated with the Nationwide Children's Hospital with The Ohio State University. And she is one of the best people I know. And I'm so thankful for her time. Um, Whit, I love you. I hope you have a great day. And mamas, we'll catch you in the next Growing in Motherhood episode. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to Growing in Motherhood. If you like this show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other mamas just like you find the show. We also encourage you to even tell a friend. And if you would like to connect and continue to grow with us, we invite you to follow our Instagram page at Growing in Motherhood for daily parenting insight and announcements for upcoming episodes. Until next time, bye.